You're invited to join thousands of Episcopalians, neighbors, and friends this summer at the Love Always Revival at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. On Saturday, June 22nd, get immersed in inspiring worship and community, deepen your love for God, kick off the 81st General Convention, and extend a warm welcome to folks discovering the Episcopal Church. The revival is free to attend, so bring your friends. If you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at iam.ec slash lovealways. This is Bishop Michael Curry, and you're listening to The Way of Love. Welcome to the Way of Love podcast with Bishop Michael Curry, a podcast from the Episcopal Church about following Jesus and changing the world. I'm your host, Sandy Millien. In this episode, Bishop Curry talks with Corey Cottle and Wordsmith, two musicians supporting the Concert for the Human Family series, a project in collaboration with the Episcopal Church's Becoming Beloved Community Initiative, which seeks to build a world where all people may experience dignity and abundant life and see themselves and others as beloved children of God. To go on the way of love is to cross boundaries, listen deeply, and live like Jesus. Corey and Wordsmith demonstrate how they've crossed musical boundaries in the pursuit of real and true reconciliation, as they've worked to support the concert series built around the prayer for the human family from the Book of Common Prayer. They discuss how music calls us into deeper relationship with God and each other. Corey and Wordsmith, welcome. Welcome to the Way of Love podcast, and thank you for doing this. It's an honor. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to have us. Thanks so much, Bishop Curry. It's an honor to be on with you. Well, it really is an honor to be with both of you. And uh, Wordsmith, you're in Baltimore, um, uh, uh, a city where I lived and was there for 12 years. Um, are you East Baltimore or West Baltimore? I'm on West Baltimore. Oh, all right. St. James. Yeah. I was in Harlem Park, Lafayette Square. All right, yeah. my man. That's what I'm talking about, Bishop. All right, brother. I know. Corey, <laughs> <laughs> you're in Nashville. Yes, sir. Yeah. But, but you grew up in Kentucky. East Kentucky. It's about as uh, deep in rural Appalachia as you can get without having to turn around. <laughs> well, in a minute, I'm going to ask how in the world the two of you all got together. But before I get to that, how are you all doing in the middle of this pandemic? Because this is hard times for everybody. How are you surviving? How are you making it? Honestly, I, I'm incredibly blessed right now. I So many people have it a lot tougher than we do. Um uh, honestly, it, uh, the circumstances are obviously horrific. Um, I've actually unpacked my suitcase for the first time in 13 years. So I'm uh, fortunate to have some time with uh, my one-year-old and two-year-old that otherwise I wouldn't have got. Um, mm -hmm. That obviously comes with some challenges. I always had a, a deep admiration and respect for my wife and, and mothers in general. But, oh, my gosh, uh, leave me alone with two kids for <laughs> three and four days a week. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm... I'm very fortunate. Uh, we're, um, I've constantly got my fellow musician brothers and sisters in my thoughts and prayers because that their industry and our industry is, is is not doing well like a lot of them. But we're 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 on the lucky side of things, so we're we're taking things in stride. And I know Wordsmith and I are trying to do our best to take advantage of some opportunities to uh, spend time on the creative side while touring isn't an option. And we're 
piecing together and just kind of constantly mindful of everybody else's situation and keeping keeping folks in their prayers. How about you, Wordsman? How about Baltimore? Uh, well, definitely on my end, you know, um, I'm a single father, so I've been doing a lot of the homeschooling, you know, with virtual school and everything. So when COVID broke, you know, a lot of parents, um, including myself, we were the teachers. I already consider myself, you know, somewhat of a teacher, you know, anyway, but I really became a home teacher. And I run my own entertainment company and I have a nonprofit I run as well. So I already pretty much work from home. So I really had to adjust and I had a different dynamic of normally I had these the six hour block every day is what I called it, where I can get as much work done, have as many meetings, you know, do my writing, be creative, uh, just anything to push forward and expand my businesses and help others. Uh, but when my kids were at home every day constantly, you know, we had to kind of find our own spaces, kind of like we're doing right now. You know, I'm on this podcast with you all and my kids are doing virtual school literally an arm's length from me right now. <laughs> no lie, no lie. It's, oh, my uh, Lord. The yeah, one full house for real. Full house for real. And so, oh my Lord. you know, so during that time, to me, it was important to not complain, but to just show my kids that, hey, yes, this is a new life, a new world that we're in, but life, you're always adjusting on the fly anyway. You yeah. know, so I just, I tried to make it to where my kids were still felt, that life had some normalcy to it. I mean, we were working out in our house pretty hard, I would say, sweating pretty hard just to stay in shape because we couldn't go outside, you know, at one point. We couldn't go to the gym at one point. Yeah. Uh, when when COVID just hit, you know, there wasn't really any school plan. So I by that next Monday, I had my kids set up for school in the house and I was giving them my own assignments just to keep their mind fresh and their knowledge going. And just yeah. to show them again that, yes, this is going on, but it's not an excuse to not progress and, you know, still flourish. Each of you are um, not only respected, but gifted and accomplished um, musicians, poets. Corey, let me let me maybe pick up with you. Um, tell I mean, you. You started playing piano at the age of four, is what my notes say. I mean, tell us a little bit of how did you, what's the story? What is the story? I mean, you like Mozart. I mean, well, <laughs> I, 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 much more hillbilly version, I think. But um, the, uh, that thank thank you. Um, I come from not only a musical family but a musical culture. So in Eastern Kentucky, um, uh, music is a deep part of the worship. It's a deep part of the um, of the social aspect of, of everything, and uh, so for me, the the piano was just my way of being part of that community. And I just yeah. I think I, I entered into it early. So I started playing in church at an early age. My my grandmother did. My both my parents did. And so we started there. And we were actually very fortunate in Appalachia to, um, or in that particular region, to have had some opportunities. Uh, for performances and recording experience that pretty rare and you would typically only find in a spot like Nashville or New York City. So mm -hmm. um, my parents were, were very active in creating educational opportunities, performance opportunities uh, for folks in an otherwise impoverished area. Um, yeah. I had access to a, to a nice stage. I had access to, to great musicians and to great music. And uh, no matter what we learned, if it was classical, rock, jazz, there was always this deep-rooted Appalachian uh, gospel yeah. um, stuff that, that seeped in. So, And from there, I uh, I chose to move to Nashville to go to school and get a degree in music. And I found myself 
uh, playing in bars and uh-huh. everything to pay to pay some bills. And from there, yeah. wound up getting picked up by a gentleman who had just signed a recording contract, country music singer. And we have been on the road for, for 12, 13 years since. And wow. There are a lot of things in between, but it's, yeah. it's, it, it's a lucky journey. I, I'm, anytime people say you're good at what you do or whatever, I, I always like to tell people I, I may or may not have a certain gift, but my real gift has been the people that I've been, been around. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a gift to know that. <laughs> it really is. Where's Smith, what about you? You Now you, I mean, cause, cause hip hop, rap, that's poetry. That that is that really is poetry as well as music, and I'm just wondering how did you how did you get into that? Sure, I mean I I loved hip hop growing up. I mean I was pretty crazy about hip hop to the point that if you remember VHS tapes, yeah. I used to get up and and tape your own TV raps um, every mm-hmm. Saturday, especially the countdown. Uh-huh. I actually still got them at my parents' house those tapes, and I also have a big hip hop tape collection that's sitting in my room that's in pristine mint condition uh-huh. some of the best hip-hop you know what i mean albums that's ever come out so i always loved hip-hop but just to be honest i didn't see myself becoming a hip-hop artist a, a musician a songwriter anything like that because i loved sports growing up mm-hmm. and uh especially football and my uh-huh. dad loved watching me play football so i was blessed enough to uh get a full scholarship to play football at Morgan State. And then I later Morgan, finished. Man. Okay. Yeah, right. Morgan. Right. And I, I later finished uh, my football career at Salisbury University. And I actually yeah. was majoring in mass communications at Morgan State. And when I got to Salisbury, I, I tore my meniscus. So I was out, you know, hurt. And yeah. uh, I had to find something else to do, to be honest. And my mother was always tugging in my mind. She saw me do this play when I was real young that I didn't think much of, but she just... I guess it blew her away and she just said, you you need to try acting or, or music or something entertainment. I think that's your calling. And I would just be like, yeah, okay, ma, I love football. I love sports. So um, when I was in Salisbury, that hit me again when I was like trying to figure out my path and what should I do next? You know, I had that realization that, you know, I'm probably not going to make it to the NFL. When you're hurt, you're away from the team. So you lose that camaraderie and you're, you're really kind of searching to find yourself. And I remember I seen this poster one day it was this uh, improv play. And to me, it was a moment where God just grabbed me. was like, boy, you better go in that room and do that. This is your next path. And I'm serious. That moment changed my life in so many ways because I got into this play and I got this passion for theater and I ended up changing my major to theater. And during that process of doing theater, I started getting more involved in music and, and really realizing that I had kind of, I would say a gift that uh, of writing music that, I knew was there and wasn't there because I didn't tap it too much. And I started really falling in love with music and the intricacies of of songs and uh, destruction of songs and just different types of music. I I would say different from Corey. I didn't, I'm kind of a black sheep in my family as as, as far as music. I, I can't say we have a lot of people in my family that are musically inclined. So I've always been kind of on the outside and my parents are like, where did you get the musical talent from and all of that, you know? So uh, during this theater time too, I had to make a decision. I said, you know, I'm going to stop playing football. And I remember my dad and I love him to death. He, he was so hurt because he loved watching me play. You know what I mean? And you got to think of pops, your dad saying, all right, you want to do music and theater? 
instead of football? You know, really? <laughs> what? You serious? And so it, to me, it was another moment, another challenge in my life to, to prove to my, my pops, but also to myself that I could do this. You know what I mean? And so as time went you know, on, I really focused on my music and I said, you know, this is my passion because not just because I love writing music, but I can impact others through my music. I see that my voice can help others. I I remember I got this call from uh, the jail out here um, in, in Baltimore City from this kid. He, I remember he emailed, I'm sorry to call, he emailed me and he heard one of my songs at 88.9 on the Morgan State, you know, radio station, yeah. Bishop Curry. Yep. And he said, man, I heard one of your songs when I was locked up, man, and and it just really helped me out because I felt like you were speaking to me and you just, you really seem to understand the struggle out here. And it's, I've been blessed to live around the world. My dad was in the army 27 years, but Baltimore City's home. I've been here for almost 20 years. So I've seen the the good, the bad and everything. And I be, have become who I am living in this city. Yeah. And so... When I saw people were taken to my messages and really looking and searching for encouragement, positivity, I was like, okay, now I see why I have this gift of music. It's it's not so much for me to boast about it or use it for the wrong things. I'm I'm here to use my music to help others, speak the truth, put my opinion out there, be political when I need to, mm-hmm. uh, talk about faith based based issues when I need to, and and that's what I what I'm doing. And to me. Doing that type of music is how I met Corey because I ended up opening up. He plays piano for big country singer Justin Moore. Why would I open up for Justin Moore? Let's really think about this. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But I did. Fate came into play and I ended up being in Georgia, opened up for Justin Moore. And after all the show was done, seeing Corey and a couple of the other guys and we just started talking. They were just like, man, we loved your music. We loved your set. And I was like, man, I was blown away by you guys. And I don't listen to country music, but it, it just, it hit me. You know, I was just like, this is fire, man. You know, open my mind. We hung out on one of their tour buses, started kicking in and Corey, we exchanged numbers and Corey said, man, well, let's stay in touch, man. You know, I want to try to do something in the future. And here yeah. we are. That's it. Well, you answered my question. <laughs> it's, that's incredible. It was by happenstance or providence. Um, this smells like a God thing to me. Um, this isn't this isn't an accident. Y'all were meant to be, meant to be together. Because you you both shared similar past in one respect. You were immersed in music at a young age. You actually were, um, and that music kind of has guided your life. Yes, sir. So when y'all met, because you really do have two different kinds of music. I mean, you all really are two different worlds coming together, um, which may be hope for America, but that's we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but what is it that you see in each other's music? Well, it, in in Wordsmith, uh, we were getting set up while he was sound checking. And in all the time we've been doing this and doing hundreds of, sh- of concerts a year, we've never been on the bill with a hip hop artist and we all love that music and we all, we have a deep admiration of it and they were um, running some songs and he had, he had some lyrics in one of them. And I can't remember your song wordsmith, but uh, the line was talking about performing two or three people, but because those two or three people are there, you're going to give them everything as if you're in front of 300,000 people because their money's and their time is just as valuable. And, 
we're not there to for ourselves we're, we're doing what we're doing so that people can come in somewhere and forget about their problems forget about everything outside in the world and just enjoy music which i fully believe is something god gave us for a specific reason yeah um and you you, you had an honesty and an intensity uh, about and a, a tenacity about what you were doing how you were doing it and you were you were just on a lot of times in country music especially um mm-hmm. there's a very laid back feel there's a very it can be very casual and we're set up to do things a certain way and it was very refreshing to see somebody just militant in how they were going about their job and it, it it motivated us and it gave us uh, some re- rejuvenation. And so I met Wordsmith via the countryside, but I wanted to work with him on what I do out, outside of that in the world of jazz and Appalachian music and classical music. I was really drawn to him because I could tell he had a lot of things to say and he had a sense of urgency about the fact that it needed to be said. And I felt the same way musically. Music um, has a way of reaching deeper than even words can. Um, there's an old African proverb that says, without a song, the gods will not descend, um, which is a way of saying that somehow music goes deep into the soul on um, some levels that words may or may not. It depends on the word. But but music, I was just watching something the other day um, about a man who has Alzheimer's. I mean, he's in a nursing home. And um, when the nurse or the aide played music, from, I don't remember which era, but whenever he was young, he became alert, he started singing, started responding. And when the music stopped, he kind of went back to, to where he was. It, it went deep in, in his soul. It's not just mine, went deep somewhere. I mean, talk about that. I mean, music's got some power. It really does. Um, in regards to that, with the uh, Alzheimer's experience, um, I actually went through videos uh, um, a couple of days ago, and I have a very treasured one of my grandmother, um, who Bishop Craig will get a kick out of this. Her name was Nellie. Um, your grandmother was named Nellie, too? Yep. Well, her name was Nell. She went by Nellie. But uh, so um, she had uh, Alzheimer's and dementia towards mm-hmm. the end. And um, my last visit with her, uh, she didn't know where she was. She couldn't recognize any, anything, anybody. Um, but uh, the nurses would lead her down to the piano. And the second she would sit at the piano, she would look over and say, Oh, there you are. When did you get here? And I would say, well, granny, what song do you want to play? And she would say, well, let's do amazing grace or let's do the old rugged cross. Mm. And, and she didn't just know the first verse. She would go through four verses, like spot on. She would play brilliantly, remembered key signatures, remembered everything. And then the second we'd leave the piano, she was, she was gone. So it, 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 it's a real thing and it's a deep thing. And I, I think that it, music, uh, especially instrumental music, allows people to, to get the overall theme that a, a composer is trying to, to convey, but it allows them to relate to their personal experiences. Yeah. Is there a time that you experienced the divine through music? What was it like? Who was with you?
You know, there's a story in the Bible. In the, it's in the Old Testament in the story of King. When King David was a young man, he was um, King Saul was the king at that time. And, and Saul clearly, um, I mean, the way the Bible describes him, he would, I mean, my guess is he probably was some kind of schizophrenia. We would diagnose it now, something like that. I mean, there were times when he was with you and times when he wasn't. And it, but it would be diagnostic. But in the Bible, it says when David would go in and play the harp, it would calm him down. It, it, it actually, I mean, it's right there in the Bible. It actually, and there were times when the family would go get David to just play the, play the music to calm their father down. It just seemed to, they didn't have medication in those days. They didn't do therapy in those days, but the music was able to touch something in the king's soul. This is powerful stuff, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's very powerful. I, I think that, I think in terms of, the power of music wordsmith and i are fortunate because we're able to through creating this this album this concert series we experience it. uh yeah. we and we we live it and it doesn't just it's not a fleeting thing it's not a matter of us hearing a song and saying well that was nice going about my day it it impacts us in a way that lasts and it changes your life forever so we want to make sure that we're designing it in a way that folks who listen to it uh, or come to a concert um, can have the same the same experience because it's powerful. I think music is something that God gave us uh, yeah. to, to remind us that something was there that you experienced before and after your time here on earth. So. When I'm working on a sermon, and I, I, I can almost guarantee there's some music that if I've got it playing in my headphones, just quiet, it's got to be soft. It can't be too jarring. Um but I'll find myself just all of a sudden typing stuff out fast. I mean, it'll start coming. It's, and I don't know why I figured that out. I'm sure there's some brain science or theology or something. But it's power in music. And hip-hop arose from life. I mean, it actually did, didn't it? It did. It's it's it did. definitely an art of storytelling, you know, especially for the black community in a lot of ways. Uh, I just remember growing up and seeing how jarring it was on TV when you would see some of the music videos and and you would say, man, it's that bad in the black community or you would see the police brutality going on. And I think it was shocking to just Americans overall during that time because the news wasn't really broadcasting it. You know what I mean? And yeah. so you had hip hop artists saying, this is how we're living. This is our struggle. This is what we have to do to survive, you know? And so it really told this story of this is really what America's like. And to me, it correlates to what's going on today is we have this struggle with not wanting to come to grips of our foundation of what America was built on. Mm -hmm. And, and though we are a country that's built on slavery, we can move from that. You know what I mean? We can have a new history, but do we want that new history? I think is the question. And projects like Corey and I who have come together, to me, we're great examples of what America should be about and it should look like. Music's a universal language. That's what brought Corey and I together. Yes. It's, it wasn't so much our color. It wasn't so much our backgrounds. Our music spoke to one another. Yeah. And... Uh, the same way Corey said, you know, a couple of my words spoke to him. It was the same thing when I remember he sent me his first 
uh, production that ended up being a song called Believe is it just hit my soul. You know, Corey can tell you, I think I wrote the song in two days and I was like, hey, it's done. Here you go. You know, it's <laughs> he was expecting me, I guess, to take a month or two. You know, he was just like, no rush. Take your time. But it was also a moment to me to show him that I'm serious. I love my passion. I love what I'm doing. I love what this can become. So um, there's always moments in life I feel you're given a choice. You know, yeah. uh, God goes, I'm going to open this door, but there's going to be two paths you can take here. And depending on that path, it could shorten your, I would say, your next goal you're trying to reach, or it can lengthen <laughs> the goal you're trying right. to reach. And so I think with Corey and I, Corey didn't see color. I didn't see color. We saw music. And uh, coming together and having an opportunity to come to Nashville where I really hadn't been to Nashville before. And uh, just being honest with you, the most I knew about Nashville was from a buddy of mine that I went to high school with that was living down there. Uh -huh. And so when, to come down to Nashville, see a little bit of Nashville, go into the studio, record with Corey and the rest of his team. And it was just all good vibes, good yeah. people. And that's why the music comes out beautiful because the vibes are so good, you yeah. know? And yeah. uh, that's the thing, you know, Bishop Kerr, you said, I can't figure out, you know, I can write better when you hear music. You know, I don't, I know there's a scientific meaning or thing to that, but I, it's just like music can spark emotions. And I think that's what you feel sometimes is unconsciously it's sparking an emotion to cause you to write or get this feeling out. Cause you got to think you could be down and listen to a song and it can bring you up. Yes. You could be up and listen to a song and can break you down. Yes. <laughs> you, could, you could be tied after work and be like, I need to put on something to get me, you know, started because I'm trying to go party, but I'm dragging right now. You put that song on, get you moving, you know what I mean? You're like, I'm ready to be out the door. So music does a lot of different stuff for you emotionally. And I think that's why they've found, you know, so many ways, even in rehabilitation centers, hospitals, even, you know, during this time, so many COVID patients that have lost lives, I've seen so many different videos of people, um, especially on the classical side, playing music for them over Zoom, yeah. calming their soul. You know what I mean? Um, I've seen some videos where the music, uh, Corey, like you said, has brought a reaction out of an individual that has had no reaction for a month or weeks or so forth. So music has this really uh, embedded power in it that us as humans, we have to use it for good, to be yeah. honest. Uh, it's not always used for good, but, you know, I feel Corey and I, we have a meeting of the minds and along with the rest of the team that we are making music for good to help others, to enhance others in this lifetime. Wait, you, you lead, you're leading right into the, the, the project uh, that you all are working on. Tell us about that and what's behind it. So, we started planning uh, the music around the concert series, the concert for the human family. And in doing that, uh, I had a, an instrumental piece that, uh, that needed something. It didn't need to be an, just an instrumental. And that's when I called Wordsmith to see if he'd like to collaborate on one. And that led us into a couple other tunes. And I think the, uh, the, one of the, the biggest moments that we've experienced was when Wordsmith and I, uh, we're in the piano booth and we'd already recorded a song that we'd worked on before he even came to Baltimore. And he said, well, what about this one? Check this idea out. And he, all he had was the words and it was just us sitting around a piano. And at the time, my business partner, a fellow named Mark Costanzo, 
uh, he wasn't necessarily involved with the record, but he was just in there hanging out with us. And he stopped us. And he said, well, hang on a second. That right there, Corey and Wordsmith, just being together at a piano and making music, that's what the world needs right now. He said, you all have been doing different things. He said, but this is in touch. The, the way Mark puts it in producer speak was, this is in touch with the vibes of the planet at this very moment. That moment led him to jump in and say, I'd like to produce this. I'm here for you. And here's what we need to focus on. Here's how we make this in touch with what the current state of affairs is right now. And here's how you do it in a positive, inspiring way, but that's also very real, uh, that, that has depth, that is tense at times, that is emotional and reflective, but it, it's all those things. Um, I think we actually might have have that very clip of when it was just Wordsmith and I uh, at the piano when he introduced the song. Cue it up. Live your life in an open mind. I hope it's time to bring this up. If the world's gonna make a change, we'll take the pain and raise it up. You got fight, better flex your rights. It's not all right, don't know what's up. Saying why, you wonder why. This is why we got no trust. You're so anti, anti-crap. Anti, anti-black with all these anti, anti-backs. Hold that thought, let me run this back. You're so anti-anti-race. Anti-anti-hate with all these anti-anti-fakes. It's that time to show some faith. Let me say my piece. So OG, but the boy unique. I'll take a stand. You can have them seats. I'm anti-fake when you want that beef. Anti-hate when you need relief. I'm anti-mad. Let me show my teeth. Anti-threat when the talk is cheap. The beginning of that was was Smith and I at a piano, and he had something to say, and I had something to play. So we're... <laughs> we're hoping to hone that in in a way that allows listeners to experience what wordsmith and i felt and all that now is that part of the concert for the human family is this that clip we just heard yes sir that's one yeah. of the songs yes sir that's one of them so the concert i mean this is an interesting collaboration like the two of you all i'm not sure anybody would have put uh eastern kentucky I'm sure anybody would have ever thought of. <laughs> it's amazing. And yet, Concerts for the Human Family. What does that mean for you all? What does that mean for us right now in this country and in this world? For me, it means that unlike the typical concert experience, the focus on this is about people being together. Um, I know Bishop Curry, in one of your podcasts that I really enjoyed about, um, I think it was on worshiping in public. One of the things you said is, well, hey, if there's a baby in the front pew, that's what everybody's going to be focused on and enjoying, but that's okay. Uh, and, and, and so for us, we, we want the, the concert to be something where the music isn't, isn't meant to, to come at people or anything. It's meant to attract people just to experience good music. And for the person sitting in one seat to be able to look at the person, the stranger next to them, and enjoy being with them and be immersed in an experience that addresses the current state of the human family, but reminds us that we're all part of that same family. Yes. How about you? Yeah, yeah sure. I think, you know, right now, just honest music. You know, we, we're kind of living in a time where we're lacking in honesty on a daily basis, not to get, you know, into politics too much, but we're just been lacking in honesty from the people that should be honest with us on a daily basis. So a lot of the music Corey and I are putting together is honest music, you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. I think it's healthy to have the tough discussions, you know, and you can have tough discussions on records 
uh, kind of similar to the record you just played, which is called Anti, which is just more talking about how here in America we're so anti this and this and that instead of just being united. You know, like, why are we so have an issue with this and have an issue with this? You have an issue with how this person looks or how have an issue with this and that. Why can't we just work on being united? you know, and even the playing field. And so sometimes you have to have those tough discussions to get to that point. And a song like Anti, that's all it's about is like, let's just do away with all that anti this and that. And what I think is beautiful with that record too is uh, when you hear it in its entirety, it has so many different genres wrapped into it. It has hip hop, it has uh, jazz wrapped into it, it has rock wrapped into it, it has country wrapped into it. It's, you know, sure. I think always country and hip hop have went hand in hand. I've always known country to be big on storytelling. Yeah. And and uh, that's what hip hop's supposed to be big on that. Not so much today, unfortunately, but uh, we that's something that's easy to marry. And I feel like every record we work on, it has all these different genre elements to the point where we're in the studio, we don't even know what genre to really call this stuff. It's just good music. Yeah. And so, like Corey said, with these concerts, I think people that come will have the opportunity to really just say, hey, one, this is beauty of music. We're hearing honesty. We're hearing transparency through this music. We're even hearing music that, you know what, I should leave here and maybe question myself about some things or or say to myself, there's some things I need to work on. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's also important when you leave a concert experience of this nature is to not just leave and saying, I enjoyed the music, but did it change me in some way? Did it impact me in some way? Am I going to go home and and say, hey, I need to work on uh, uh, ways to continue to improve myself. So that's to me a lot. There's a lot of beauty wrapped up in this besides just the music. It's to me the human impact of it. Yeah. And the, the church is doing a, a phenomenal job of uh, of making sure that everything is designed in a way to where we're not just playing a concert and leaving town. There's um, there, there's work to be done before and after in that community. And the concert is just a, a small piece of that. So that the goal is for, for us to do a small part via music and, and strengthen the communities and, and in, in giving people an hour and a half, two hours worth of, of something that they leave with feeling inspired mm-hmm. uh, to to love more, to just just yeah. to make their surroundings better and more positive. It's kind of like a musical revival. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want folk to be able to be uh, to enjoy, but you also want something in them to change and be inspired. Definitely. That's correct. That's correct. And I, I think that while the music isn't religious in nature, it is spiritual in nature. Yeah. Um, and, and and with that comes comes pretty stuff. With that comes tense stuff and dissonance. Uh, and it it's meant to to be reflective of the human the human journey. It's gotten even crazier in twenty twenty. So yeah. Now I guess you can't have the concerts physically right now because of the virus. I mean because of COVID. Right. But that day will come. I mean, hopefully a year from now or something like that. It's not too far off. I hope so. I, I think you're right. I, we're 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 all praying for that for sure. But most of the music is actually done. Yes, sir. Yeah. It it is. We're we're actually taking advantage of the time uh, we have right now to uh, to record an additional record for it. That's just uh, worse me than myself. So <laughs> about that. Um, so that one is uh, our our producer. He noticed something in Wordsmith, and he said, "You know, the stuff you've got right now works really cool and fits really neat in in the scope of this concert." But 
look at what Wordsmith is doing right now in Baltimore. Look at what he's leading. Look at what kind of voice he has. Look at how people uh, feel feel inspired by his message. Make music that puts him at the podium and that, and that yeah. gives him a platform to speak and that isn't focused on uh, musical hooks or radio singles, but just so, something that really amplifies his, his voice. Wow. So tell us about what you're doing in Baltimore. Oh, definitely. You know, since, you know, dating back to George Floyd and even before that, you know, I've just been out here one marching, but also just encouraging people to not just march, but find solutions. You know, I think that's important to have solutions and not just march because you're angry um, and so forth. So I've been working with um, this organization out here called People's Power Assembly and taking part in a lot of their protests, but also helping organize people's assemblies where people can come together and uh, talk about, you know, struggles they've had with police brutality. I dealt with it myself back in 2013, where I literally got beat up, arrested just for questioning the cop. And my kids didn't know where I was at for three days. And that kind of put me on my journey of wanting to see police reform and see, you know, my city do better, but also other cities that deal with, you know, unfortunate police corruption. Uh, you know, Bishop Curry was in Baltimore for an extended period of time, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, the police department, I'm not speaking down upon them, but we have, we're one of the police departments have a lot, lot of work to do. You know, yeah. we need a lot of help, you know, so, you know, being in my community, I'm just trying to get people to come together and talk about what's happened. And okay, once we talk about it, how do we move forward? And so encouraging mm -hmm. people to let's get some petitions together. Let's get people to sign petitions. Let's take this where it needs to go. Cause that's the only way you're going to invoke change yeah. besides actual protesting. Um, on the other side, something I'm trying to heavily work on uh, through my nonprofit, which is called Rise With A Purpose, uh -huh. is a music uh, program and academy. Because unfortunately, in Baltimore City, music is not a part of the regular curriculum. So right. I have an older son that goes to a Baltimore County school, and they have one of the best music programs actually in the nation. It's nationally known. Then you can go 15 minutes over the line to Baltimore City, and there's no music program whatsoever. And so, you know, and I have to give them a blessing because I got a huge blessing not too long ago that I told Corey about is uh, two people, you know, one, his name is Kevin, other uh, lady's name is Bree, and they work for a company called doTERRA. And the other family, their name is Ramona and Christian Turner with Helping Hands, and they're coming together to help me raise $30,000 to open up uh, a music academy and program in Baltimore City that will fill that void for the music programs that we don't have in the public school system. So I got this news a couple of days ago. I just had another meeting with them last night and everybody is just fired up to make this program happen because not only is it going to be great for Baltimore city, but this program is also going to be able to be broadcast to a lot of my partners um, internationally. I've been over the past three years, I've been blessed to be able to go to 11 different countries and perform concerts, do workshops, um, literally stay at houses with different people, um, eat different meals with families and just really build uh, international ties and bonds. So I have a lot of kids internationally, especially, you know, in Africa, which I've been able to go three times where they don't have much. There is no, they don't have the resources we have in America. So there's no, um, I'm going to make it as a musician or this and that. It's, how does that even, you know, happen? How is it possible? You know, we don't have any type of music courses or lessons. So not only is this program 
for the kids, underprivileged youth in Baltimore City, it's it's globally. It's going to be broadcast to my friends in Ghana, in uh, mm-hmm. Angola, my friends in um, Lithuania, Latvia, Belarus, mm-hmm. uh, Azerbaijan. I mean, it's really going to mm-hmm. have a global spectrum. So even the work, and I haven't talked deeply with Corey about it, but a lot of the work we're doing with this uh, program, with the church, I would love for us to be able to come together and work together because these concerts could be something that we can broadcast to a lot of uh, these kids as well, you know, that are underprivileged and really could use this uplifting and just these great examples of, hey, you know, I can become a great musician one day or, hey, I have an opportunity to become a self-made, you know, man or so forth, you know, in the future. So I'm just trying to work and uh, I want to leave this earth with an empty soul. That's what I always tell myself. I don't want to, I don't want to leave here and have regrets. My soul needs to be completely drained, empty, exhausted. So when it's time for me to go, I'm just like, hey, I did all I could do while I was here on earth. I did yeah. it all. Well, you know, the two of you um, really make real um, what Dr. King meant um, when he was he was asked repeatedly during the Montgomery bus boycott in the 1950s with Rosa Parks and all of that stuff. And he would say to people at the rallies, he said, you know, we're boycotting um, in order to desegregate public transportation. But but that's that's approximate goal. That's not the ultimate goal. Uh, we want to desegregate public transportation because everybody should have equal rights and equal opportunity. Um, and we want to desegregate, um, um, well, in that time, the South. We want to bring an end to Jim Crow segregation. But that's only approximate goal. That's not the complete end. He said the end um, is reconciliation. The end, um, the goal is redemption. And then he said, the real goal is the creation of the beloved community where people who maybe once were enemies um, can become brothers and sisters and siblings, that the beloved community is God intended and the two of you in the music and relationship that you have are signs for me of the beloved community that it is possible. It is possible. And I wanna thank you both for that. My God, you all are wonderful souls. It's what, what, what they say in India called great souls. Great souls make room for others. And you brothers are that. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for, thank you for the concert for the human family. Thank you for blessing us um, today and in all you're doing together. God bless you. Amen. This has been an honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bishop Curry. Thank you so much. Corey, thank you, brother. Appreciate you as always, man. Pleasure's all mine. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of The Way of Love with Bishop Curry. If you'd like to learn more about Corey and Wordsmith, visit their websites at coreycottle.com and wordsmithmusic.com. If you'd like to know more about how you can participate in the Concert for the Human Family, visit concertforthehumanfamily.com. We'll be announcing 2021 dates for livestream virtual concerts soon. As always, you can learn more about Bishop Curry and the Way of Love, including how to create your own personal rule of life at episcopalchurch.org. This week, we give thanks to Wordsmith, Corey Cottle, Bishop Curry, Nancy Dabich, Jerusalem Greer, Chris Sikama, Jeremy Tackett, and Scott Vatplenzerans. I'm Sandy Milien, and I'll see you next time on The Way of Love. The way of Jesus is the way of love, and the way of love can change the world.